Let's pray together. Lord, we're conscious that when we hear your word, and especially when we read a chapter that is so full of truth and glory, that it's almost impossible to take it all in. We pray that in these moments and minutes we have together, we rejoice that you are with us and we trust that you, by the power of your spirit, will take those things that we need to hear again and to apply them to our hearts. Help us to be open and to listen and by the gift of your spirit, help us to sing your praise. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. As we've started this new year together, we've been thinking about hope and what does it mean to have hope, especially at a time when so many people don't seem uh, to have much hope, when both internationally and nationally there seems much that would uh, sort of squash or um, uh, deflate that sense of hope and expectation. And we remembered a couple of weeks ago uh, the truths of our faith, the fact that uh, in Jesus, God has reached out to us, that we have been saved by grace, that we stand in the grace of God, and that we are his people. But we're also uh, remembering that those things are not just true in terms of um, sort of conceptual mental truth, uh, they are also true because they are brought to life in our lives, in our hearts and minds, in our experience by the gift of the Spirit, this presence of God with us in each one of us. So that when we say there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which was the verse Smee helped us to look at last week, that that's not just something we say with our minds, it is something that we feel with our hearts, that we know that in Jesus we are forgiven. And more than that, we are actually set free. Verse 2 that Smee looked at last week, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free. Has set you free. And that's really where I want to start as we have a look at this second part of Romans chapter 8. This idea that we have been set free. And uh, as I say, it's there in the, uh, the passage we looked at uh, last week, uh, but it's also uh, here in the passage that we're looking at. Therefore, says Paul, and uh, as again, I promise I'm preaching my sermon, not Smee's sermon from last week, but uh, Smee told us that when there's a therefore, you need to ask, why is it there? 
and uh, all those things that Paul lays out about the, the battle between the sinful nature and the nature that is held by the Spirit. But all these things are overcome through the victory of Christ. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, we have a, we have a duty. Because the Spirit lives in us, we want to be free, free to live the life that he gives if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Free to find life. Freed by the Spirit in order that we might become alive in Christ. A few weeks ago as we celebrated Christmas, we heard again those incredible words from the beginning of St. John's Gospel. Remember, the word made flesh. And there's a passage there, one of the verses that says, he came to his own, but to those, but they would not receive him. But to those who did receive him, he gave the right to become the children of God. We are freed into life freed in order that we might taste what life is in all its fullness the spirit comes to set us free so that we might find life and actually it's quite hard to find life at the moment isn't it as i said before uh, there are many pressures on us both nationally and internationally as we look at the news. Lots of reasons why we might find life difficult. Lots of reasons why life can be bleak. But the promise of God is that the Spirit enables us to taste life, to begin to see what it will be like to be fully alive in him set free in order that we might find life. And you know, you can find life in the strangest of places. You can experience life in the strangest of places. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to, I don't want to embarrass Mike, but I had a wonderful day on Friday. I'm going to tell you about this day I had on Friday, okay? On Friday morning, Mike and I, we started to take some blue boards, okay? You remember the blue boards we used to have at the cross frontier of church during the week? They kept falling over and they were getting a bit dangerous. So we needed to find a way to get rid of them, okay? So on Friday morning, Mike and I, there was a, a bin lorry at the top of Mackenzie Road, okay? And we didn't know how we were going to get these blue boards up there. So we started off with, with, a, with a trolley thing, right, with two boards on it, pushing it up Woodlands Road. And it was too wide to go up the pavement, okay? So we had to go up the middle of the road, okay? It looked and felt like we were Laurel and Hardy, all right? And I got about 200 yards up there and I nearly lost it. I thought I'd just get a, just, it was wonderful. Anyway, we got this first pair up there, okay? And into the back of the lorry. And like by now, bro, I'm dripping in sweat, okay, like this. And thinking, well, that's two. We've got 14 to move, okay? 
On the way down Mackenzie Road, this van drove up, okay? And Mike, as in a way that only Mike can do, hails the van down like this, hails it down, okay? Says, can you help us? And they say, what? Can you help us move these boards? You all right, then? Okay? So we were running, running down the road like this. They drove right, <laughs> given to, to, their, for the, to their word. These people also work for the council. They've been cleaning graffiti off the, the side over there. And, and, and Mike says, oh, can we fit these boards in here? Okay? And they take a couple, and they do it around, and they say, oh, we'll do it differently. They came back again. They moved some of their things around, piled the rest of them in, and I'm in the back with these, all these boards like this, in breach of all this health and safety. Door, the door's open here, like this, open, you know. Got them all up there, all in the back of the van, okay? All in the back of the van. Came back, we had a piece of toast. I said, Mike, that was so good, we're going to go out for lunch to celebrate. We went to a modest establishment for lunch, all right? Five minutes into the lunch, Mike says, let's have a game of Scrabble. Yeah, all right, I'll have a game of Scrabble. Okay, we've got a few rounds through the game of Scrabble, all right? Now, this is a technical phrase. Michael was kicking my bottom, all right? <laughs> he was over 200 points ahead of me, and we'd had about seven rounds, all right? We came back, and on the way back, we stopped. I, I haven't seen Beryl since, um, since Wolfgang's funeral, and so we went to Maple Dean together. And we sat with Beryl for half an hour, and we sang some hymns. And Beryl sang along with us. And we came back. It was only a few hours, but I had a whale of a time. Now, none of that would have happened if somehow we weren't somehow related together in Christ, because his spirit is with us. It was nothing exotic. We didn't have any deep or profound conversations with other people. We didn't tell anyone about Jesus or anything like that. But we found, I found life here. And I said cheerio to Mike and I came in and I had to put the chairs out. And I thought I should have held on to him for a few more minutes. The spirit comes so that we can find life. And life can happen here, in the midst of ordinary things. He comes to bring us life. He comes to bring us freedom. He comes to bring us freedom from fear. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves to fear, rather the Spirit sets you free. Free to cry out to God that we are his children. Free to use a word that even Jesus himself used. Free to cry out in this word, Abba, Father. Do you remember where Jesus uses that word? There aren't any prizes, but you can shout it out if you want. Do you remember where Jesus uses that word? When Jesus uses that word? Yeah, but I was more thinking, God and I get so many. God and I get so many. Abba, Father. 
It's this moment of intimacy, almost agony. We get to use the same word. We get to use the same word because the Spirit brings us into this relationship with God. We are his children. We are his sons and his daughters. We are brought into this new relationship. Free to know life, free from fear, free to be the children of God. And of course, this is not some childish vision of somehow being back as in, in kindergarten or reception, sort of, you know, behaving like children. This relationship is one that, that creates, that makes us heirs. That all that God has won for us in Jesus, we become heirs of this. It is our inheritance. You and I are like princes or princesses. We are the ones in whom the hope of the world somehow resides because we are the heirs, co-heirs with Christ. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. There is something to look forward to, this glorious hope that all that Jesus has won for us, all that we have tasted and just touched now by his spirit, will one day, that is what we will inherit. That is what we will step into. This glorious hope for what lies ahead. So the spirit sets us free, free that we might know life, free from fear so that we can enter into what it means to be the children of God and looking forward as heirs to what we will inherit in him. But more than that, we are also called first fruits. We are also called first fruits. Sorry, forgive me, I've forgotten where that is. Here we are. We are heirs and we are also first fruits. There's something quite mysterious going on here and to be honest, I don't entirely understand it. But there's something about the fact that we, through the gift of the Spirit, are actually a representative of how things will be. Somehow, the fact that we have been recreated in Christ, that we have the gift of the Spirit here and now, means that we can begin to show what it will be like when the whole of creation is renewed. It's almost as if we are the sort of heralds of it, 
that the way we live, the, the way in which we reflect the life of the Spirit now shows the rest of creation what it will be like when God redeems the whole of creation. And we know that creation is groaning. We can see it all around us. We can sense this sense of childbirth, of something that needs to pass in order that something else can come into being. Things are not as they should be, are they? Something is wrong, but something is also to come. And somehow, strangely, mysteriously, we are part of the coming of it. Because it seems that the more you read Scripture, the more you look at Scripture, this world, this creation, this good thing that God has given us is not going to be done away with. It is going to be renewed. There will be a new heaven and a new earth that somehow the whole of creation is touched by the glory and the mystery of the cross. That in that amazing act, which we can never fully comprehend, not only do we come to new birth, the whole of creation begins to come to new birth. So that this world which he created and he said was good, will be renewed. And that does not mean, therefore, that this world is unimportant and is passing. Far from it. This world will somehow be renewed in the way we have been renewed. There will be continuity as well as change. So creation matters. The world around us matters. The way in which we treat it matters. If we begin to live now as it will be then, part of our living now as it will be then is the way we treat the world around us, creation itself. Can we treat it now as it will be then? The Spirit comes to set us free, free to live life, free to be alive, free from fear, free to become the children of God, heirs with a glorious hope ahead of us. But also, somehow, mysteriously, we become the first fruits of that which will come to pass. So that when people are with us, when they spend time with us, they get a little glimpse of how things will be, of what the final picture will be of God's great plan for the whole of creation. So groan now. Okay? We are to groan. There's a great difference between groaning and moaning. Okay? Don't moan. Don't moan. Groan. Groan with creation. 
but groan in hope because God has done what needs to be done in the cross. And we are the first fruits of what he will do. And the Spirit makes all that real. I hope you understand some of that. I'm not entirely sure I understand very much of it. But I know, I know it is true. Amen.